Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi, I'm Mel and welcome to Empowered Love Radio. And this week is part two of the series, When Is It Safe to Date After Narcissistic Abuse? And I really hope that part one helped you understand why it is so much healthier to not rush into dating after suffering an abusive relationship, ensuring that we create a healthy relationship with ourselves first. Part one fundamentally was about self-partnering and mating our own soul so that we could show up healthily as love within the creation of another relationship rather than attempting to get love by seeking another person to grant us ourselves. So many people have hidden this under the guise of but I was or am so loving and that was discussed in last week's show. That if we are trying to create love from inner wounded parts, we can easily think we are being loving, but it may really be about giving love to try to ensure that we are loved in return. And this is love emanating from fear. It's not genuine love. As a summary, let's just rehash the understandings of last week's radio show. Okay, so number one, we are attracting people at the same vibration of self-love and self-acceptance. Number two, we will accept love that matches our own levels of self-love. Number three, if we're trying to force people to love us better, we are not granting ourselves the essential love and self-partnering that we need. And number four, if we don't become conscious and take time out of relationships, to self-partner and heal our previous painful inner programs, we stay locked into repeat patterns of the same disappointing relationship experiences. It's just they have a different face each time. So let's have a look at this topic, why we need to take a break from relationships. Many people don't want to take a break from relationships because they don't want to be alone. And what they don't realize is that even within relationships, they are still alone because people are simply reflecting back their emptiness and disconnect they experience with themselves, which is their own lack of self-partnering that they're not wanting to meet and heal. I remember being 19 years of age many years ago and becoming newly single and thinking that my life was over. And I really thought that my worth and my value meant belonging to some man and that there was no way to love myself unless a man was reflecting back to me that I was attractive or lovable and desirable. The terrible gnawing emptiness of being alone was of course because I did not somatically feel in my body that I was whole or lovable or worthy as I was. I didn't believe that about myself. Hence the relentless demands to always improve, always be better. And really that was all about then I will be chosen by someone and loved. So the painful responsible beliefs for all those skewered 
thoughts, self-judgments and conditions placed on myself with a belief which plagues so many of us. You will never be acceptable enough to be loved. And of course this modelled our childhoods, having critical judgmental parents who we were always trying to earn love and approval from. Many parents were not necessarily narcissistic, they just believed that criticism was the way to motivate children. After all, that was the way that they were parented. They didn't want us to get too soft or complacent or lazy. And little did they know that guilting and applying criticism is incredibly damaging to a child's subconscious programming, as are any fear-based motivators. So this was our model to go by. Hence why we took on being so critical, shaming and damning of ourselves. Our relationship with ourselves did not feel loving. So why on earth would we want to be with ourselves to get love? That was the last place we wanted to be, alone with ourselves. So of course we tried desperately to get love in all the wrong places with people who showed up originally, as seeming to love us like no other, finally and who then turned out to be our worst persecutors instead. All to bring home the evolutionary truth. Go inwards and heal the essential relationship with self. So the bottom line is this. If we don't do time purposefully alone, we will not find ourselves and we will not heal. And like all quick fixes, if we get into another relationship to avoid ourselves, we end up at the same <clears throat> point time and time again. More effort, time and life down the drain and back to square one. Usually with more damage, more fear and more pain. Because if we don't sort it out, life turns up the volume and keeps delivering the message. Usually with greater ferocity, all for the sole reason of hoping we will finally have had enough and wake up to the truth and do something about it. So this section is about, it's not about who can I trust. When we have a thriver orientation, we wake up to certain facts, such as the outside has no power. And what is really determining my life is the inside power. I have or haven't created within myself. And it's perfectly understandable. After narcissistic abuse to feel diminished and afraid that narcissists are about. And you could be tricked and abused again. It's normal, but it's not healthy. And the reason why it is not healthy is because of this evolutionary truth. If we are not growing and releasing ourselves into our highest and truest self, which means letting go of pain, fear and judgment and moving into love and authenticity, then life will come to us and smash us open, literally. It is not organic to be living in diminishment and contraction and it hurts and attracts exactly what we're trying to protect ourselves from and exactly what we're judging. Whatever we judge persists in our experience. If we judge parts of ourselves, those parts will persist and we will not move beyond them. If we judge other people and certain things about humanity, they will keep turning up in our experience. We are all evolving towards the understanding that love heals, compassion heals, oneness heals, separation, judgment and damnation doesn't. 
and the pain of this unnatural state of being, because creation is expansion, not contraction, means that pain keeps coming at us, certainly from life outside of us. And even if we try to hide out and stay safe and don't connect with life, then the pain inside of us will become so unbearable we will have no choice other than to medicate it away if we want to cope. And the ongoing pain is telling us this is not who we are. It's really common to hear in abuse forums statements like, I doubt I can ever trust again. Yes, narcissistic abuse smashed us to pieces, but we either decide to merely go through narcissistic abuse or we've done the work inside ourselves to grow through narcissistic abuse. As a result of doing the inner work, we discovered some pretty profound things. And we up-leveled certain things, which means we are not the same person as the one who was abused. And I mean we are not the same person in a positive way. We're more anchored in our body. We've worked at coming home and repairing the relationship with ourselves which means we love and accept ourselves now and feel the incredible comfort and solidness of that. We feel more whole and self-partnered than what we ever did before being abused, even if abuse is all we've ever known. And our new safety and solid feelings have nothing to do with being guarded, defensive or better armoured up. In stark contrast, we're actually more open-hearted, more expansive, more exposed and out there, and more joyful than before. We have less fear of abusive people and not more, despite knowing what narcissists are and they exist now. The reason is because we know there is absolutely no requirement to trust others. All we need to do is be in our own bodies, trusting, self-partnering and backing ourselves. And we become this highest state of true self when we're free of the emotional shackles that used to derail us. No longer are we trying to seek self outside of self and handing our power over trying to be approved of and loved. No longer do we not speak up because of the fear of criticism, punishment or abandonment. No longer are we like a starving shopper choosing love like junk food to try to fill the emptiness inside. And we don't believe in powerlessness or lack. We don't believe that another option may not turn up and hang on to an option that doesn't feel right or starts to treat us unhealthily like a drowning person would cling to a life raft. Because we are not scared to be alone. Most importantly, we no longer have the inner wounds inside us trying to fulfill their self-fulfilling prophecies of repeat painful patterns by justifying away our inner truths. We listen to our gut, we honour our feelings and we no longer make excuses to avoid them. There is no longer the confusion of second guessing ourselves. But it's important to realise that these are not just logical concepts that we can learn and assimilate. These are ways of somatically being as real in our bodies. This takes development. This takes inner work on our emotional programs. Unless you feel states in your body as organically and somatically real, you're not there. 
You're simply trying to pretend you're there and then finding out the hard way that emotional reprogramming does not happen logically. A really good way to understand if you are logically trying to create something instead of experiencing it as your solid truth is if you have to keep reminding yourself over and over. Is the state you need to be natural for you? Or is it something that you continually have to try to relearn, re-cement or remind yourself of? And these are only some of the distinct differences between informational healing, sourcing information logically, and transformational healing, working directly on your subconscious, which are universes apart. To have states as your organic truth requires inner work. And when we do that, we know our life has nothing to do with who we can or can't trust. It's about trusting ourselves. And the more self-partnered and resolved we are in our bodies, the more we can be fully in life as our radiant selves safely. We are in fact more safe than we have ever been. So let's look at two women to make the comparison clear between two ladies dating, one from a self-partner perspective and the other from one that is not. So let's start with Claudia. Claudia is on a date with Mark. She has no expectations and she knows that whatever unfolds is for a high development and that all of life is granting her evidence of where she's at and helping her evolve. So the experience will be wonderful no matter how it turns out. So she meets Mark without any expectations or neediness. Claudia is simply in her body, present and going through the experience. She finds him aesthetically attractive and is aware that he is also attracted to her and she likes this because she certainly wants to partner with someone she's attracted to. But that's only a very raw starting point because Claudia is very interested in who he is as a human being. She knows chemical attraction is not everything and what is vitally important is they share the same values. What is important to Claudia needs to be important to him. She's into fitness and health. Is that his life orientation? If he eats junk food and doesn't care about himself, that would never work. Claudia is very spiritual and she's into self-development. What are his views on this? Is he that way inclined or at the very least open-minded and able to move into personal growth? Is growing and improving his character something he wants and does? Or is he a person who has no aspirations to expand his unconsciousness? If not, then Claudia and him are going to struggle to grow together. And in fact, they're more likely to grow apart. Is Mark family orientated? Claudia spends a lot of time with her parents and children and dearly would love a partner to love her family. If Mark was more inclined to want her all to himself or not join him with family time, that would not satisfy Claudia. Claudia has learnt so much through her own self-development and inner work. She realised that not only was her previous levels of self-love responsible for making poor decisions with men, but also the men she used to connect to did not have the same values as her. And this is where so 
much, so many of her relationships fell apart. She now understands that interest can be different because that can grant healthy self-time and even new experiences to share. But core values are non-negotiable in order for relationships to be successful. So Claudia is doing her due diligence, getting to know him and taking her time to do so. No instant relationship, no succumbing to chemistry alone, no thinking that words alone are a recommendation and making sure she spends time with him to see how he operates in life before taking on a relationship. This means dating respectfully while still retaining her own interests and courting non-sexually, which is not what Claudia used to do in the past. Claudia used to give up her own life immediately not that there was much of one because she was really not happy or fulfilled on her own and jumped straight in to escape her own loneliness. Those days are gone because Claudia is fulfilled. She has great family and friends, her own interests and loves spending time in life doing the things she loves. Claudia also has personal goals and purpose in her life. Within her dating experience, Claudia finds her levels of self-love and self-worth are being healthily reflected back to her. Rather than men wanting her to give up herself to be with them, they healthily appreciate her having her own happiness and identity and that they love that she's not needy. And they're very attracted to her now that she values herself and are much more likely to clear that they want a relationship with her than the men she used to sleep randomly with in the past. So she was attracting and connecting with men of a much higher and more mature vibration than previously. For her this time, a repeat date with Mark was not about fulfilling some neediness within her. It was not about needing his attention or to be told she was beautiful or having to have her ego fed with a man is interested in me. And this gave her the freedom to just see without needing to cling on or use Mark to assuage her own insecurities. It also healthily left her open to the opportunity to date other men, which was totally healthy before making an exclusive commitment to a relationship. In amongst all of this, Claudia had no hypervigilance regarding is he a narcissist or not. She simply showed up and allowed him to be whatever and whoever he was being, fully knowing that if things started to feel off, she would feel it and would deal with it then. Whether this be on the first date or the third or never, she trusted herself. She knew life only had her best interests and that all of Source had her back and wanted only the highest and the best for her, meaning if she needed to be warned, her intuition would do so. And she knew that she trusted her intuition now and backed it. She also knew that at any point of the journey, if she had to walk away, she was self-partnered enough to take the gift and the lesson and would use it for continual growth there would be no need to cling on to him. Now let's investigate Margot. Margot is going on a date with Brent and while she's getting ready to meet him, her head is spinning in many different directions. 
she's really worried that the date is going to be awful and a waste of time and he could turn out to be like the other losers she's been meeting on dates. She's really scared that if that happens, she will miss the ex-narcissist even more because it really seemed that no man could make her feel like he did. Yet she kept painfully trying to prove that wrong. While thinking about that, Margot then starts feeling terrified that Brink could be another narcissist. She starts replaying through her mind the emails they've exchanged, the phone call they had, and wonders if she could identify something letting her know she should pull out of the date. Because what if he was attractive and charmed her and swept her off her feet like the narcissist did? She was terrified of that happening again, knowing that narcissists had the ability to do that. Then Margot thinks, what if he isn't? And I like him, but he doesn't like me. Margot didn't feel very lovable or attractive. In fact, she still felt very discarded, unloved and abandoned by the ex-narc. And she'd already changed her outfit four times and still didn't feel happy with the way she looks. So the incessant chatter in Margot's head continues all the way to her date and she feels nearly sick by the time she gets there. However, these thoughts don't last long because Brent seems more pleasant than the other guys she's been dating recently. He compliments how she looks and Margot immediately feels like a woman in a desert getting a drink of water. Oh, how long it has been since a man spoke to me like this, she thinks. She starts to have butterflies in her stomach and finds herself talking to him in animated ways. She thinks, okay, this is a chance. Maybe this is it. Because I'm not even thinking about my ex. I really want to make sure he likes me. So Margot starts flirting, smiling at him with lingering looks and compliments him a lot. Brent tells her about the way women have treated him in the past. Margot feels for him and starts selling to him that this is not the way she treats partners. In fact, the exact opposite is the way she is in relationships. Margot has already projected onto him the version of him she wants to believe in. Her brain is already organizing itself to position him as this person. He has no kids and Margot wants to start a family. He has a job. He likes his car. He makes her laugh and he compliments her a lot and makes her feel special. As far as Margot is concerned, this guy is right for her. One wine turns into another and Margot flirts more with Brent and he seems very happy with this. They both end up leaving their cars at the restaurant and getting a taxi back to Brent's house. They have sex for hours. The passion and chemistry is unbelievable. Margot feels liberated. She feels like she is over the hump of her ex and has found her new man. In the morning, Brent tells her he has to go into work and he will ring her later. They get a taxi back to their cars and he gives her a kiss goodbye. Later that day, there is no message from Brent. Or the next day, or the next. At first, Margot makes excuses for him and now she's panicking. She rings three girlfriends and asks them what they think. One tells her to ring him and ask him what is happening. Reluctantly, Margot does and it goes through to voice message. Margot then has a horrible feeling and she goes online and sees Brent's dating profile is active. 
who's online talking to other women. Reality hits home and Margot is devastated. She feels abandoned again dramatically. The same wound has been ripped open again. Margot now decides all men are monsters and she has no idea how on earth she can recover. She was taken in again, obviously, by some guy who must be a narcissist. Margot then declares she's going to stop caring. She will use and abuse men from now on because real love doesn't exist and men deserve what they dish out. So let's have a look at the differences here. And I've used two extreme examples to really help you understand the difference. And please understand these examples exist. In the Thriver community, there are many up-level people like Claudia, as well as people purposefully evolving themselves to get to that level. Within the victimized community, there are many, many people who I've met like Margot. And none of this is about judgment or shaming anyone. I'm just sharing with you these profound differences to illustrate what this series is all about. Let's look at the differences and why these women were having totally different dating experiences that had nothing to do with the men and everything to do with themselves. So number one, Claudia had done the work on her inner childhood wounds and was therefore showing up with men as a mature adult, no longer driven by the neediness of childhood unhealed wounds, unlike Margot. Number two, Margot was chemically attracted to her old childhood programs, abandonment, that she'd replayed with a narcissist and was now repeating with this man. She mistook this as this guy's right for me and predictably her mind organized around the story of him being right for her, all to replay her unresolved wounds. In contrast, Claudia enjoyed the chemical attraction with hope that she'd done the inner work to be unwounded and therefore attracted to healthy men, yet was still prepared to take her time to get to know if vital levels of character and compatibility were present. Number three, Claudia was in her body, calm, connected and non-conditional, in control of herself, being self-loving no matter what would turn up. Margot, however, was not self-partnered. She was in her head, suffering PTSD because of being disconnected from herself and then trying to use analysis paralysis to control her life which was rendering her, rendering her totally out of control in her life. Number four, Margot was asked to quick fixes to try to fill her inner emptiness and medicate away her emotional pain with Brent. Claudia was able to wait, have delayed gratification and make healthy choices because of feeling emotionally whole within herself. Number five, Claudia was in no way concerned over who Mark was or wasn't. She was simply taking full responsibility to navigate her life and make healthy choices accordingly. Who he ultimately turned out to be had no bearing on her being the creator of her own healthy and happy life. In stark contrast, Margot had placed all of her neediness on Brent 
to provide her with relief from her pain and when he failed to do that she demonized him and held him responsible and felt even more justified in her victimhood of being treated badly by men. So in conclusion I really want you to understand that this series is not anti-relationship and this can be an argument that people who are determined to never be alone may push. Nothing could be further from the truth. This article series and this, these radio shows is in regard to mega relationship creation and with everything, not just intimate relationships. Every relationship begins with self-partnering. If we're not self-partnered, then we are not showing up in the field in healthy ways. We're actually showing up in maladapted and unwholesome ways. And this means we're trying to get love and wholeness instead of sharing and spreading it. It means that we're not showing up authentically. We're in fact wearing a mask and being a certain way so that people love and approve of us rather than simply being a non-conditional, non-judgmental, radiant self. And please do not confuse that for lack of healthy discernment. If we are not self-partnered, then life becomes a tactical affair rather than a flowing symphony because we will only align ourselves with people and situations where we think we will get something. Things like approval, compliments, attention, betterment or accolades. And we won't be bothered with people who we think we won't get these things from. And we may think love can only come from an intimate partner and we may not realize that love is in fact everywhere overflowing in abundance. It's in the smile exchanged with the old lady you pass in the street. It's everywhere in nature. It's felt every time you pat your pet, the love you share with your family or your children. And the deep intimate conversations of realness that you share with true evolutionary friends. Love is unconditional. Love is limitless. Love is everywhere. Every relationship, including intimate, is not for you to get love. That is impossible. It's for you to share and generate love. If we don't realize that, then every intimate relationship we enter will end up being a reflection back of all of the parts of ourselves that we don't love. That's why true connected relationships are unity consciousness, which requires your self-partnering first. And then you will be a soulmate with yourself, others and life itself. So that's it. That's it for the series. And I really hope that that's helped you understand and you can find all of the details on my blog which is blog.melanietoniaevans.com and also too my next webinar group is underway where many women and men are healing from the heartbreak and pain and the fear of being alone after abuse and they're learning how to meet and become healthily self-partnered and already there are incredible breakthroughs happening in the private Facebook group which is connected to the webinar group. So if this series really resonated with you, I would love you to join us. 
And you can do that by going to melanietoniaevans.com forward slash free webinar. So that's my normal website address, melanietoniaevans.com forward slash free webinar. And as always, I look forward to answering your comments and your questions to the article on the blog. So everyone, that is it for this week and lots of love and I'll be catching you next week. Bye-bye.